0: You are listening to Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about us and to connect, go to our website at riverbendchurch.life. Well, good morning, Riverbend Church. I hope you are doing well. I miss meeting on campus with you today, uh, but I do hope you and your family are safe. And so, if you're tuning in right now and you have the ability, drop us a thumbs up or praise hand, something. Let us know that you're good and you're with us this morning. Uh, we continue to worship together right now instead of in one building. Uh, we literally have hundreds and hundreds of buildings all over the place that are tuning in and worship this morning. And so, uh, we're going to get in the word together for a few minutes this morning. Uh, this is the week three of our series called Breakthrough. But let me take a take a moment just to say this. If you're brand new today or maybe you just click it on here to check us out, we would love to know you. And so you can drop a, a comment right now and just say, hey, I'm new here and our team would love to drop you a link uh, just to let you know that, that we're praying for you and also drop a small gift to you. So let us know that you're here if you're brand new. There's a place for you at Riverbend. And so as we continue this uh this series, here's what we're praying for. We're praying for breakthrough. And we've been in this since uh, technically last Saturday night at six o'clock. Many of us started fasting and praying together. And breakthrough is, uh, is something that we're wrestling with. You know, today is, today is day eight. And so I would just want to say, if you've been able to stick your commitment, or even if you've had to wrestle and then get back on it with the Lord, I just want to tell you, I'm proud of you. Many of you took this challenge for the first time, and I hope that you're experiencing just a refreshing from the Lord as you've been seeking him. But well, we're praying for breakthrough in family. We're praying for breakthrough in relationships and in health and in finances. We're praying for the salvation of friends, that they would come to know Jesus as Lord and they would live the new life that he has. Uh, we're praying for our city. We're praying for our nation, for our leaders. We're praying that God would bring revival. And I know there's your list is long. I know you have at least seven if you're praying with us. But here's what I want to do. We are praying for breakthrough, but I want to remind you of a truth that I shared last week, and here it is. It's kind of a little-known secret about fasting for breakthrough. This is not about absence of need. It's about presence of God. See, what I'm praying for you in your life is I'm praying God will bring breakthrough, but do you know where breakthrough comes from? It comes from the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Every breakthrough we're praying for will be found in his presence, and so I'm praying I'm praying for you, but even even more than just praying for what God wants, uh, what you want from God, I'm praying that you'll get more of God during this time. That's what will change your life, that you'll find yourself just refreshed in your journey with Jesus, uh, that you will abide, learn to abide in his presence. This is one of the things God's been doing to me, uh, just kind of speaking over me, Joe. You just need to learn to abide in my presence without having to do, without having to go and be so fast-paced and moving. Just be still and know that I am God. Be in my presence. And so uh, I'm excited about what the end of this time is going to bring because I think it's going to be powerful. But today I want to share a powerful event from the life of Jesus. I want to talk to you today about the baptism of Jesus right at the beginning of his ministry now here's what you know if you know a little bit about the Bible Matthew chapter 3 and 4 Jesus gets baptized Immediately after that the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting And so some of you uh, decided maybe this year that you're gonna fast from food and just drink water for the first time uh, For maybe a day or a couple of days and you know the difficulty and the battle that is and here's Jesus Uh, 40 days in the wilderness fasting and seeking the Lord, seeking the Father's presence. But do you know why he was doing that? Jesus thought that the best way to start the ministry that would change the world was to him to be alone with his Father for 40 days fasting and praying. And that's what he did. He would come back, start his ministry, and literally not only change uh, the first century, but change eternity and change the past forever and ever and ever. And so Today, as we begin, I wanna, I wanna give you a question that's gonna guide the next few minutes together. And I want you to think about it. Where are you wrestling with God? Where are you wrestling with God? Another way, I, you know, since I've written this, uh, I've, I've been praying the last few days. Um, I, I've, I've actually kind of thought of it a different way. Where are you wrestling against God? It's not always sinful or wrong to wrestle with God, but where are you wrestling against God in your life. Now there are types, there's probably three types of people watching this this morning. There are people that are wrestling with God and here's how you know, you know you're wrestling with God. You're wrestling and you know you're wrestling. Here's how you know, uh, you are resisting God's calling in your life. You feel the Lord calling you to something, but you're you're trying to push it down and go, nah, God, not me. You're wrestling with God. Or maybe you're angry with God and God's trying to just, uh, pull you back into his love, or maybe you're angry with somebody and he, he's asking you to forgive and you're just wrestling with them. You're going, God, I'm wrestling against you here. Or maybe you're holding back love or forgiveness, you're resisting holiness in your life, holding on to some pet sins. And you know God's saying, hey, I've called you to higher than that. I've called you to a place of holiness as a man of God, as a woman of God, as my child, and you hold on to it anyway. That's wrestling and knowing you're wrestling. But then there's another person. The person who was wrestling with God was wrestling against God and now you finally stepped, uh, tapped out and let his grace win. And right now you're not wrestling anymore, Uh, you're actually fighting for his kingdom. And then there's the third person, that's the person and you feel like there is a wrestling but you can't define it. It's inside you, it's around you, maybe it's wrestling, you feel like you're in some sort of spiritual or soul battle and you just don't know why. Could it be that you don't even realize you're wrestling against God? You keep trying to make decisions and move forward and things just don't work and you're like, God, what's going on here? Maybe you're not even praying that, but, but literally in your mind, you're thinking, what is happening? Maybe today the realization is that you're actually wrestling against God. Well, here's the hope. We're gonna meet a guy today named John the Baptist, the guy who baptized Jesus. And you know what we find him doing? Wrestling with Jesus, wrestling against God, Jesus in the flesh himself. We find him resisting God's will too. Now, John the Baptist has much to teach us today. I'm gonna give you some lessons, but first I wanna introduce you to kind of what John thought about Jesus because it's important to know how much honor and esteem he held Jesus in. Here's what John said. Now, John has a following of people that says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God but someone, and this someone is Jesus Christ. He's coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than, uh, that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so, give you a little bit of context about this verse. John the Baptist is out on the banks of the Jordan River, uh, says in the wilderness, and he's preaching repentance in Jesus' name, he's preaching and baptizing people as they come. And so, John is quite the attraction. He's sort of this country boy, long-haired. He literally eats bugs. You can read this in scripture. He's out here. He has this anointing of God on his life. He's just sort of of a weird cat that's living out in the the sticks. And people are coming from miles around. All of Judea is going out to him. Many are hearing this message of, of repentance and turning to God. And many are believing and they're being baptized. And so he's sort of a ministry celebrity of the day, a great man. But here's what we find him saying. You think I'm great? John says, he says, the person I'm preaching about here, he's coming soon. And he's so much greater than me that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his filthy sandals. He put Jesus on a high pedestal. Everybody else put John on this high pedestal out in the wilderness. he said, no, 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 no. John said, no, 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 no. It's Jesus. And so I baptize with water. John said, he says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to immerse you in the spirit. Well, About that time Jesus is, uh, or John is is telling his friends and, and the listeners about Jesus, guess who shows up on the scene? Verse 13, it says, Jesus, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But check this out. John tried to talk him out of it. See John's resistance and wrestling against God here. Jesus, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? So it's understandable. Now, I don't think it's a sinful wrestling of John here, but John is wrestling. And here's some of the, one of the things God spoke to me. If John wrestled with Jesus, then surely we're going to wrestle. Here's the truth we all wrestle with God's will, but he always wins. Even John, the famous cousin of Jesus, Set apart at birth. Now, you may remember back at Christmas, we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth, the priest, and he was in the temple, and he has this miraculous encounter with an angel who says, I know you're too old to have a baby, but you and your wife, Elizabeth, you're gonna have a baby, and he's gonna be the forerunner preacher of Jesus. His name's gonna be John, and that actually happened. Well, here he is. He's grown up. He's about 30 years old now. Here's what Jesus himself said about John. He says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist, and yet... We find John here wrestling with Jesus, literally against God's will. And that gave me some hope because I'm like, God, if the greatest man who ever lived wrestled with your will and wrestled with what you wanted him to do, then surely it's okay for me to sometimes find myself wrestling. Listen, all of us wrestle. All of us wrestle. See, again, John's wrestling wasn't sinful reasoning. He wasn't saying, God, I want to do, I want to go sin. I want to sin against you instead of doing this. He was just going. Jesus, I don't understand this. Like, why wouldn't, why would you want to be baptized and uh, why would you want me to baptize you? Why wouldn't you want it to be the other way around? Jesus, that makes no sense. And so, one way to look at it here is John is kind of praying against God's will for his life at this very moment, going, Jesus, no, 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 I, I want to be baptized by you. Did you know this? That God has a will for your life. We have verses that we we have around our homes that, that you look at it, but you forget what it actually means, like this one, Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven. God said, I know the plans I have for you. God has a plan. You know what that is? God's will for your life. Ephesians two ten. You are a masterpiece designed to complete the good works that I planned for you. Romans eleven twenty nine, I love this one the gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. In other words, once God has placed a call and gifting on your life, he's not going to change your mind about calling you and what he's giving you to, uh, given to you. He's patient. He may leave you for for seasons uh, and leave you be for seasons. He doesn't leave you completely alone, but he leaves you be. But that wrestling and that calling inside you, it remains. And so do you know one of the things that that God's wrestling inside of you. Like if you even feel a spiritual wrestling as you listen to the word of God, or you feel like there's something going on inside of me, you know what that wrestling is? That's just proof of God's love. He doesn't come and turn you into a robot or force you. He loves you, and so he lets you wrestle with him. He even lets you wrestle against him. I wrestled with God for 10 years of my life. I'll tell you a little bit about my story. I was 11 years old when I, God kind of wrestled my heart to the ground, and I surrendered my life to him. I remember, I know I was young, but I do remember clearly realizing that, Lord Jesus, without you, I'm going to be separated from you in hell. And Lord, I don't want to be there. But not only that, God, I want to be in your presence. Lord, I want to be saved and born again. I want to live with the Spirit. I just remember understanding this at 11 years old. And so my mom was with me that day, and she led me through a prayer of surrender to Christ. And I stand on that when I go back. I stand on that. The wrestling didn't really start though until a couple of years later, I was about 13 years old and I felt the Lord drawing me to ministry. I felt God speaking to me, calling me to something and, and I pushed back and I pushed back and, and I had a lot of really good excuses at first. It wasn't just sinful, but then I kept pushing back until finally I got myself into sin and that fence life where you're like one foot in God's world and one foot in doing whatever you wanna do and back and forth and back and forth. From 13 to 23 years old, that was my journey. Back and forth, back and forth. 10 years of wrestling, I finally go, God, I tap. And the crazy thing is, God wasn't even faced by, he wasn't even worn out with all the wrestling. He said, I almost felt like he said, okay, finally, my son, I've been calling you for all these years. You ever seen a boxing match where two people just literally just duking it out Beat the snot out of each other. One of them's victorious at the end. And then after that, they just cry and hug and like snot. You've seen it with MMA. You know, two ladies just like throw down and it's bad. And then at the end, they're emotional and they're like hugging each other. It's kind of that way to wrestle with God. And what I mean by it is it's a battle. It feel like you've been through a war when you're wrestling against God. But then at the very end, when he finally, he, t- he brings you to submission and you come to him, he's not angry with you. What, he, what happens is he loves you. He wraps you up, and it makes you wonder, God, why didn't I just surrender to you to start with? Why did I have to wrestle against you for all this time? And so there's another thought tucked here in the same uh, sentence, and I want to show it to you again. It says, John tried to talk him out of it. Jesus comes, and he says, John, I want you to baptize me, but John tries to talk him out of it. And as I thought about that, I thought every single one of us try to do this, and I want to say this. Here's a lesson John teaches us. It is natural to try to talk Jesus out of using you because that's what was going on here. Jesus shows up and John, I wanna use you to baptize me. I wanna use your life to literally initiate my ministry, to be a staple part of my ministry. And so it's natural for us to try to talk God out of using us. And, And usually when we try to talk God out of using us, we have good excuses. You know what one of those excuses is? I'm not worthy. I think in a lot of ways, that's what John was saying. Jesus, like wrong guy. I, I'm not worthy. Maybe maybe you felt like before, you ever felt that that just urge or that calling or that sense and you felt like God was going, I have something for you to do. I'm calling you. And your excuse was, God, I'm not good enough. There's an old uh, old saying I heard growing up a lot that God doesn't Uh, call the equipped, he equips the call, that basically saying that not good enough is not a good excuse, God just wants you to surrender and he's gonna give you everything you need. Now there's another reason that sometimes we we wrestle and we push back and we try to talk God out of using us and it's because we're not sure what we'll have to let go of. Like, Lord, I don't know, I'm gonna have to stop living the way I'm living if I really go all in for you. I'm gonna have to give up some of the things that I have if I really go all in for you. And so that's a fair wrestling match, but sometimes we just don't realize what we will actually gain in return when we go all in for Christ, when we finally just submit and say, okay, Lord. Now, here's the truth. If we don't tap to the Lord, if God wrestles, he loves us enough to let us stay in that wrestling match, trying to talk him out of it, going, no, Jesus, you don't want me. Sometimes God will move on to another servant who will step into your blessing. God will move on to somebody that's ready. They're already ready to tap. And they say, yes, Lord, and they step into your blessing. Now, he never gives up on his will for you, but he will use somebody else to accomplish his will. If you decide, God, I'm not gonna go with you. I do believe this about church congregations. We actually have the ability to stay on mission, to stay submitted to the will, surrendered to the will of God, and actually stay in the fight and in the battle and God using us. Or we can decide to make it about us and just say, you know what, God? I want to be religious, but I don't want to be sold out to you. But when we surrender to him and we stay surrendered, here's the thing. We step into the blessing he has for us. Let me ask you this. What has God asked you to do, but you're trying to talk him out of it? What does he ask you to do, but you're trying to talk him out? Here, here's what I want to say as, a, as your pastor, or maybe you're just tuning in today. Maybe it's time for you to Tap. Just say, God, I don't want to live any more of my life trying to talk you out of using my life. I don't want to use, live any more of my life trying to resist my ministry calling. I don't want to re- any more of my life resisting using my gifts to serve my neighbors and to love my neighbors and to make my community better in Jesus' name. I don't want to, I want to resist you anymore. Or maybe it's this, God, I'm ready to surrender to baptism myself. I'm ready to submit my life to you through baptism. On January 30th, right here at Riverbend, on our Breakthrough Sunday, we're gonna have a baptism service. How awesome would it be if you were here to be baptized? Well, Jesus throws out a statement next that brings John to submission. Here's what he says. He says, uh, John, this should be done. This baptism where you baptize me, it should be done. Why? We must carry out all that God requires. And so... John here, I think he kind of reluctantly agrees to baptize Jesus. Well, okay, Jesus, I will do what you want me to do. And so Jesus said the reasoning was, we must carry out all that God requires. Or maybe another way to think about it is to fulfill all righteousness. That's an older translation, but literally what it means is, we must complete God's will here, John. We can't can't, uh, push that off, we can't fight against it. We must submit to God's will. And he wants to use you to accomplish it, John. And so what does John do? He submits. So I wanna pause here and talk about another message in this encounter. See, today I'm kind of preaching this message from the lessons we learned from John, but after all, this is about Jesus getting baptized. There's a year's worth of messages here just in this baptism and the power of what this statement means and what this passage means. But Talking about this for a second, Jesus actually got baptized. You ever thought about why? Because think about it for us. Baptism, you know, if, if it's indoor, we usually set a trough up here on our stage and, and we have water in it and we have people come up and they profess Jesus and that they've turned from their sin and they made him Lord and, uh, and we baptize them. We fully immerse them and say, Jesus, dead to the old person, alive to you. And so Jesus is getting baptized here we usually think of sinners getting baptized and Jesus wasn't a sinner. And to make it even worse in the first century, if you do a little study, baptism was actually uh, sort of um, uh, something for a Jew that would have been a, a guilty admission of being worse than a Gentile. To be baptized was to say, God, I've been away from you and I've been worse than even a Gentile, uh, which was a a big no-no. It was like basically saying, Jesus, I've been a dog. I've been living like a dog and I'm coming back to you. And so very few Jews were ever baptized uh, before Jesus's time. But here's Jesus who gets uh, gets baptized in front of all of them and I think sort of shames them. Jesus, our perfect savior, had no sin. He wasn't baptized for his sin, that he would be dead to the old person and alive to the new. He was baptized to identify with us as sinners, to set the first example of what it means to be uh, in in believer's baptism. But here's another thing. Did you know that this is one of the earliest foreshadowings that Jesus would, would actually shed his blood? One of the earliest foreshadowings in his ministry that he would shed his blood on the cross and take on the sin debt of the world. So he was baptized to identify But you could see it like this. Jesus wasn't a sinner, but he took the sin of the world on him and even he was baptized. And so again, I wanna pause here and say this. If you haven't been baptized, maybe that's a wrestling in your heart. That also may be the impasse where God's saying, I'm not gonna bless you until you go forth and belong to the church and become a part of my church. And you come in through baptism and let everybody know that I'm dying to my old way and I'm living to new. And so I don't care how old you are. If you've been pushing back, it's time to tap. January 30. Now, here's what uh, what I'll do on the screen right now and in the comments, there's a link. And so if you know right now, I need to click off this and go ahead and let Riverbend know that I'm ready to be baptized. Or if you're not ready to do that, but you say, I need to talk to somebody, drop us a comment or follow this link uh, so that I can follow up with you and our team can. We would love to know and help you get connected. And so follow that. Now, John submits to, he agrees to baptize Jesus, but it's sort of reluctant, or at least that's how I see it a little bit. It's like, well, okay, Jesus, I will. And there was a lesson for me in that when I read it, and I like this one. Did you know that even reluctant obedience can bring breakthrough in your life? Even at the point where you go, God, I don't know if I really wanna do this. John's like, I don't know if I really wanna do this, Jesus. You should be baptizing me, but okay, I'll do it. It brings breakthrough. Last week, we looked at Isaiah 58, which, which teaches us that uh, when you're fasting and praying and when you're living a life of obedience, where you love God and you're loving people and you're fighting for justice in this world, that brings breakthroughs. And there was a whole list of breakthroughs that God said, I'm gonna bring this as you, as you do that. But it's reluctant obedience brings breakthroughs. So many times we feel like, well, God, I'm not sure that I wanna pray right now, but I'm just gonna pray anyway. And I get it. You may feel like it's a, it's a powerless prayer. But when you press through in obedience, anyway, or God, I don't, I don't want to give. God, it's too hard to give right now. Sometimes it's easy to give and be generous, but sometimes it's difficult, and it's a, it's, it's an obedience factor. And sometimes we're reluctant. And we go, well, God, can you, re- can you bless my reluctance? I think He can. I'm going to tell you a story. We were gearing up for this time of fasting and praying. I've got to be very honest with you. I had anxiety a couple of times about a commitment to the Lord where I was gonna be fasting and praying. You go, whoa, 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 you're a pastor, why? Why would you tell us this? Well, I'm just being real, it was hard. Leading up to uh, last Saturday when we started, I had several times where I almost tapped out and just said, you know, I'm just gonna pray, I'm not gonna take this fasting and generosity thing seriously. Like I do that anyway, Lord, so, or I do the generosity thing, but God, fasting is really a really big deal. And I got, I got anxious about it also, When I started last Saturday, I was very reluctant, and the Lord kind of convicted me about my reluctance. But you know what? Even if you're reluctant to be obedient, there is breakthrough that come. Because what happens is, even when you're reluctantly obedient, as soon as you step into obedience, you start to experience God. And once you get a taste of Him, you want more that's kind of what my week has been like this week in fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. And so, man, I hope that's your experience too. Even if you were reluctant, that you've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so what happens after baptism here is a powerful display of God's presence. One of the greatest in scripture, a powerful display. Look look, what the Bible says. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. And by the way, uh, this is why we believe in baptism by immersion, This is also why John the Baptist was called John the Baptist. It had nothing to do with denominations at all in Scripture. What it had to do with is the fact that John fully immersed people in water, baptized them. Jesus came up out of the water, then he walks out of the water. As the heavens were open, open, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. See, Here's what John would tell us. Surrender to the will of God allows you to see what others don't see and hear what others don't hear. John, and I believe probably those in attendance that day, literally saw something supernatural as Jesus was baptized. They they saw heaven open. And I don't know exactly what that looked like. Maybe it was bright light from the sky, probably so. Something bright and heavenly. They could just tell it was angelic almost. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit is spirit and spirit cannot be seen just like your and my spirit can't be seen. But in in that day, he took the form of a dove. That's what they described it like, like a dove coming down and it settled on Jesus and remained on him. And then they hear the voice from heaven, which is the voice of the father that says, this is my dearly son. He brings me great joy. They got to hear that because John surrendered and submitted to the will of God. Now, Something really interesting about this. This is one of the clearest pictures of the Trinity in scripture. You have God the Father, the voice of the Father. You have Jesus the Son, you could see him physically and then you have the presence of the Spirit like it dove. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity in one place. Now, some push back on surrender because they wanna see God first. And I've heard that before. Well, if God had just answered my prayer, then I would believe. Or if God would just, you know, like do a miracle for me, then I would believe. And and here's the thing, that's backwards theology. God may show you signs and wonders to draw you to him. But when the Holy Spirit, that, that is a miracle, by the way, when the Holy Spirit begins to draw you, what happens is surrender opens your eyes and opens your ears. And what I mean by that, sometimes you can't understand the word of God until you surrender to the will of God. And then all of a sudden the Bible comes alive to you. Your prayer times can feel dead. You can get down on your knees and you go, this is useless, Lord, I don't feel you. Where are you? But as soon as you submit to his will and you start living for him, all of a sudden prayer becomes powerful. I would say that when you fast, prayer becomes powerful. When you step into that obedience, and here's the truth, you begin to hear. You begin to see things others can't see and hear things others can't hear and it encourages your spirit. I thought about this too. The Spirit of God, it says it, it came down from heaven and it settled on Jesus. It remained on him, in other words. Many times uh, the Spirit would come and go throughout the Old Testament. God would send the Spirit, but I think the sinners and the sinfulness uh, would go. Jesus hadn't come and, and offered the sacrifice yet. And so the Spirit would remain, he would go. But on Jesus, for his entire ministry, this was a sign that the Spirit would be with him permanently. And what I thought about is this. What a breakthrough it would be for the people of Riverbend if the Spirit descended and remained on our lives this year. If we didn't quench the Spirit, we didn't grieve the Spirit, we didn't do things that caused the Spirit, not not to to unseal our hearts, because that's impossible, but to say, I can't work through you, I can't anoint your life right now. So my prayer for you right now is in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would be anointed all year with the Spirit, that, that the Spirit of God would remain in your home, remain on your life, remain around you. Now, the last part, of, part here that I wanna talk about today is, is the voice of God and what he said. This voice comes from heaven. We know it's the heavenly father. It says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You can read right over this uh, and miss the power in it at times. And I have, and maybe you have. But think about the the, uh, chronology of this. When did uh, did God say this to Jesus? It was at the very beginning of his ministry. So at this point, John the Baptist was famous. Jesus wasn't. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't fed 5,000. He hadn't raised anyone from the dead yet. He hadn't preached where many believed and he hadn't done this yet. Nobody knew who he was. He was sort of coming out of the shadows of being a normal guy who lived in a normal home for 30 years. And so before Jesus did any miracles, you know what the the father says to him? This is my loved son who brings me joy. Before Jesus did any ministry, he said, this is my, my loved son, my beloved son who brings me great joy. Before he went to the cross and before the resurrection, he was already told, I love you. You bring me great joy. He was telling everybody, I love him. He brings me great joy. And as I thought about that, here's the statement. He was fully accepted and fully loved by his father apart from his performance. That's something sometimes that keeps people from coming to God is the fact that we assume he won't accept us even if we do. I'm too messy, I'm too addicted, I'm too broken. God, I can't come to you. And we assume that God won't accept us because of what we've done and how we live. But here's the thing, the voice of the Father teaches us a lesson here. How do you know that God will accept you? Well, check this out. To accept Jesus as Lord is to be fully loved and fully accepted by him. Now we know that John three sixteen says, God so loved the world that, that he gave his only son that anyone believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So we know that God loves the world. But how do you know that you're fully loved and accepted? Well, it's that moment that you turn. You may feel the drawing of God's love. You may feel the warmth of his love and the drawing of the spirit. But the very moment you turn to him is the first moment you can fully realize I'm loved and I'm accepted Because your acceptance is not based on performance. It's based on Jesus and what he did for you. Literally, Jesus took our place on the sin cross so that God could look at us and say, I love you, I fully accept you. The moment you accept him as the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm yours, he says you were fully loved and fully accepted. And that may be the wrestling that we've talked about this morning where you've been wrestling against God. Wrestling, uh, wrestling with God about your salvation, pushing back, and you had good excuses. You try to talk God out of it. You feel like you can't really hear spiritual things or understand it, and here, here's the, the deal. Maybe God is calling you, and you just gotta realize it's time to tap. You will never let, uh, know that you are fully loved and accepted until you let go of your pride, until you, you stop letting your past hurt keep, keep you from being the thing that goes all in with the Lord. Saying, Lord, I tried and failed before. And, and stop using the excuses and just go, God, I lay it down before you. And here's the thing the moment you lay it down, the moment, you know, this is the picture in our hearts. The moment that you come in your heart and you submit to Him in your heart and you lay that pride aside, here's the thing. When you let it go, then you'll know. When you let it go, when you finally say, Okay, God, no more riding the fence for me. Jesus, I'm in. You know what He says? That's my son that I'm well pleased in. That's my daughter that I'm well pleasing. that's what we get to hear over our lives. That one brings me great joy. Why? Just because you surrendered, because you accepted the sacrifice of his son for you. So let me give you a question to ponder this morning as we wrap up. Where are you wrestling with God? And it's time to tap. Lord, I tap. I surrender to you today. And so maybe for you, you literally at that moment where you're going, I'm ready to accept the Lord Jesus. I wanna lead you through a prayer right now, right where you are in your home, and he will accept you, he fully loves you. But it begins with this full surrender moment. Will you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I'm asking you to forgive me. And if you know there are things on your heart right now that, that you need him to forgive you for, Just tell him, say it out loud to him, God, I'm asking you to forgive me, and give him the list, and guess what? He forgives you, and then say this to the Lord. Say, thank you for accepting me. Thank you for loving me, and then tell him this. You're the boss. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to live by your word, and I'm ready to have your spirit fill my life, and say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you surrendered to him today, you're fully loved and fully accepted. And I would love to know and celebrate with you. Will you reach out? Just like all heaven is celebrating, we wanna celebrate. For everyone else tuning in today, where is it that you need to tap? What is God asking you to do in 2022? And it's time to just go, you know what, Lord? I tap. Listen, I'm gonna be fasting and praying for you because as you tap out to the Lord and just go, okay, Lord. I'm done wrestling against you, here I am. Whatever that may be, maybe it's that baptism on January 30th that we have. Maybe it's something else in your life where you know God's calling you. But whatever it is, will you just surrender to him today? I wanna pray for you as we close. So Lord, I pray for every person that's been wrestling against you God, I'm asking you, reveal yourself to every person tuning in today. Lord, may we be convicted. God, may we be ready to just go, Lord, I'm in, I I tap out Jesus. and we receive something so much better than what we actually give up and surrender to, so, Lord, I just praise you for what the work you're going to do. I praise you for this season of fasting and prayer, this day eight, Lord. I know many of us are struggling, and so, God, I just pray that you'll give strength, and you'll let there be anointing. And God, there'll be uh, just a f- refreshing from the, the presence of the Lord as we do this. God, move across our city. Move across our county and across everyone from, from wherever we're tuning in, our neighborhoods, Lord. Let the anointing of God, may people come to know you and love you and live the new life you have. May 2022 be a year of revival in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You matter. I can't wait to see you back on campus next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. If you want more information, please visit our website, riverbendchurch.life.